powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Derek Duvall Show. Thanks to Jeff Brown for that amazing welcome and welcome to you, Duvall Nation. Episode 29 is here and as always, we will be bringing you material that will be well worth the next 40 minutes of your time. What's new? First off, before we get going, I want to throw a massive shout out to my wife, Mrs. Duval, and congratulate her on achieving her 40th revolution around a yellow slash orange star. That's right, folks. She is 40 years old, and man, did we have a good time celebrating her safely on Saturday night. It was a costume party, and yours truly came dressed as Dr. Horrible from the aforementioned musical Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog. She went as the Queen of Fall, which if you know her is not exactly far-fetched. Overall, an amazing party, and so glad we could make that happen for her. Duval Nation is continually spreading from country to country. Thanks to my analytics from our hosting platform, Transistor FM, we are now in the country of Italy. Not only is it a dream destination for Mrs. Duval and I, but it is a country with a very, very rich history. So... To my newest Italian listeners, I say, Benevuti e nuvre membri italiani di Fall Nation. I want to give a massive shout out to the guest of episode 28, Mr. Tim Russ. His episode was greatly well received and fans were so happy to hear what he had to say. He is incredibly generous with his time and really is a very nice and well-spoken man. Hopefully down the line, we can collaborate again. So... What do I have in store for you in episode 29? We welcome for the first time an Olympic skier, Miss Jalen Koff. She will be here talking to us about how she became a world-class skier, the challenges an athlete at the peak of their abilities face, the selection to Team USA, and her time competing in the 2018 Winter Olympics. It's a great episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's not stand on ceremony. Duval Nation, rise to your feet. And welcome to the show, our guest direct from Utah, Olympic skier, Miss Jalen Koff. Jalen, good afternoon. Welcome to the Dirk Duvall Show. How is the weather in your neck of the woods today? Um, it is beautiful here in Utah today. Clear blue sky. It's gorgeous. Outstanding. I like to start my interviews off with the same question for these weird times we're living in. How has it been for you the past year to navigate the COVID-19 world? Um, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy last year and a half or so, but feel pretty lucky still to be able to be traveling for skiing and getting a lot of really good time in with family and friends, which has wow. definitely been the highlight of it all. Nice. Before we get into this, I want to congratulate you. Uh, we've had different folks from various backgrounds, we have actors, writers, musicians, and, and so forth. But you were officially the very first athlete we've had on the show. Oh, wow. Well, I'm yeah. honored. <laughs> so I like, to take, I like to take things back to the beginning. Uh, where did you grow up, and at what age did you decide you wanted to pursue a dream of skiing competitively? 
Um, so I was born in Vail, Colorado, um, and my family moved up to Alta, Wyoming when I was like three and kind of raised there and moved to Steamboat Springs, Colorado for high school. And I grew up, both my parents were professional skiers. They competed on the Pro Mogul Tour for many years. And when my brother and I were kids, my mom was still competing at the X Games and skier cross. And so the to me, that like professional skier dream life was always kind of a reality in my family. It never seemed like a crazy lifestyle to pursue because that's what my parents did. And I grew up in that world. And so it was always just a big part of our life was just being out on the slope, skiing as much as we possibly could. If we had good grades, we could get out on powder days. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably when I was, you know, in middle school, my brother, he's a year older than me. We both were really into skiing. We kind of had that like Olympic dream and didn't really think it would be a reality, but we wanted to pursue skiing at a higher level. And the, the schools in Idaho where we are at didn't allow you to miss more than a few days a semester, which doesn't really line up with being a skier. Um, and so our family decided we are going to move to Steamboat for high school and they had a really awesome ski program there and the school was super accommodating and that's kind of where it, it took my skiing to the next level. So your parents, I'm assuming they were just completely proud that you wanted to follow in their footsteps. Yeah. They, I mean, they never obviously pushed it or anything, but I think they loved that I kind of shared that same passion and followed them into the same sport that they obviously love so much. Now, if my memory is correctly, you're, you attended DeVry University? Yeah. What did you study there? Um, so I'm still currently going. Being a skier and a student is a slow, slow <laughs> haul. <laughs> but I'm currently studying like multimedia design and development. So graphic design is the idea there. So freestyle skiing is kind of your forte. Uh, when did you settle on that? As Baker said, is I assume it's your parents' influence. Um. I would say the biggest influence was probably my older brother. He just always loved mogul skiing, which I thought was crazy because, you know, like most people who have skied moguls before, I didn't think they were that fun. <laughs> <laughs> just getting bucked around. and But I he loved it and I wanted to do whatever he did. So I kind of followed him into it and then eventually just fell in love with it. I have never, um, I'm not gonna lie to you, I've never skied in my life. And the idea of it scares the hell out of me. But I, I gotta <laughs> ask, based on what I watched a lot of like YouTube watching, you know, your highlights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mobile skiing looks hell on your knees. Is it you just get used to it? Or? Um, yeah, it's probably something you get used to. I always say that it's a lot harder on my back than my knees. Because mm. your knees, you know, they work, they they have that absorption going, but your back doesn't quite absorb the same <laughs> it's a lot more impact there so that's where it really wears on me but <laughs> you know it's funny last night i was i was watching some and i remember because like i said i hurt my knee when i was in the war when you were doing the thing all my knees were saying was nope 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so what do you enjoy about dual moguls the most oh um i love dual moguls because it takes all the thinking out of it mm. When it's just you in the course, you're you're constantly thinking about things you 
need to be doing, like stand up, go faster. Okay, Bob Mayer's coming. But when there's that person next to you, all you're thinking about is beating them down. Mm. And it all it all comes naturally. And that's what I love about it. Is it just takes the thought out of it and you just kind of push yourself to the next level. Now, Hannah Kearney is the gold standard in moguls. Have you ever met her? And if so, has she given you any advice? Yeah, I've met her before. Yeah, she's she's really awesome. She's definitely a big inspiration and role model in, you know, working hard. That was kind of, from what I've heard, like always the thing in, in her career where she was out there working harder than anyone else. And it definitely shows when you see her work out in the gym because she is an animal. <laughs> she is so strong. And that's like always been a big, big inspiration to me. So obviously, you know, you've, you've come a long way. What does an audition for Team USA look like? It's kind of a complicated process. There's a few different ways to make the team. And so when I qualified for the team, there's an event at the beginning of the year called U.S. Selections. Mm -hmm. And pretty much every kid over the age of 13 in the U.S. competes in that event. And the top two athletes, um, based on their results from that weekend, get to compete in the Deer Valley World Cup for that year. And so that's how I kind of started with the team. So I won U.S. elections and I got to start for the Deer Valley World Cup. But that season, there were a few injuries over Christmas break on the team. And so a few spots opened up for the Canadian World Cups that were right before Deer Valley. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting a spot to ski in those as well. And I did pretty well at those. And I ended up getting third at Deer Valley that year. And so that kind of got me on team and a spot for the rest of the World Cup season. So once you join, it's all competition, nothing else matters. You just, you know, go, go, go. Yeah, a lot of go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so 2018 Winter Olympics for an athlete, I can think probably no larger world stage or test of their abilities to be chosen to compete to arriving in South Korea. Walk us through that. So the... Olympic process is all of our World Cup events leading up to the Olympics. All of your results from those are kind of calculated and they take your best two results. And so that year we had an event in China to start the season. And I ended up getting first and second, I believe, at that event. So that kind of, I make mean, two wins is the best you can get. And I had a first and second. And so kind of like stamp my ticket there to Korea, which was pretty cool because I had four or five more events that I could just, you know, enjoy more. It was less, less stress of like, I have to do well to qualify because mm -hmm. my qualification was already done. But yeah, getting named to Team USA and being able to, you know, represent the country on the Olympic stage was one of the most incredible things that I've ever been a part of. Um, it's really hard to to try and put into words, but it's, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest stage that I'll ever compete on that, you know, most, most athletes are able to compete on. And it's just such an incredible thing knowing that, you know, everyone at home, this whole country is supporting you and backing you as you're doing what you love most. So I went back and watched some of the opening ceremonies. What do you remember participating in that? Um, the opening ceremonies were crazy. It was 
it was just this, like all of Team USA waiting to go out was just this big like mosh pit almost like everyone's just just like pushing at the gate basically like waiting for them to allow us to go out but we're all just you know trying to f- find the best spot to stand in and just all like pushing together just so anxious to get out there trying to peek out see if we can see in the stadium at all and it felt like I mean we just came like rushing out of there like as soon as they let us go we were just like piling into the stadium and uh, it was so so cool 92 nations nearly 3,000 athletes does everyone get to mingle and meet other athletes from other countries or is everything kind of segregated like the Americans were over here or the British are over here and stuff like that yeah, so everyone like has their athlete village. Everyone kind of has their building. Like all of Team USA was in the same building, and there was no other team in there. But there's a big like dining hall and and whatnot that everyone just mingles at. You can you can sit wherever, hang out with anyone, and that was kind of the best part of the Olympics was getting to meet all of these other athletes from all over the world and there's just so much respect Hmm. at the olympics because i think that every single athlete thinks that every other sport is so much harder (laughs) is it one of those scenes like out of top gun where everybody walks into like this is the best in the world he's the best in the world or she you know i mean yeah i mean i think that like there's definitely those you know you see those big name athletes like even just u.s athletes you're like oh my god that's Mm-hmm. Sean White or that's Lindsay Vaughn, like things like that. But but again, there's just like so much respect and everyone knows that we've all put in the same work and sacrifices and everything along the way to get to where we are. And there's just yeah, so much respect for all mm-hmm. those other athletes. When you first step onto the slopes and you realize the whole world is watching, how how do you mentally prepare for something like that? I mean, I, I think that, you know, for me, that was almost like a calming thing for me, just knowing that there were so many people from back home, from whether it was Steamboat or Wyoming, like the communities that I've lived, all being able to tune in and watch and be a part of that moment with me. And that kind of took the pressure off. They weren't, obviously, they wanted me to do the best I could, but it didn't matter if I came home with gold or if i crashed and blew up they were just so i just knew they were so excited to watch and be a part of that with me so athletes talk about in the zone and for that for many different athletes that's a different thing when you compete how do you get yourself to that place um i kind of have a little routine obviously a little like warm-up routine i go through and then at the top of the course i kind of just run through my my run over and over in my head just visualizing as much as possible um i have a little pump up song i put on right before i go in the gate and then i just do some big like calming calming breaths to just yeah get my head where i need it (laughs) matt do i dare ask what the pump up song is it's um amazing by kanye west Whenever I go to the gym, mine's always the stereo MCs. It's connected. I don't know why it's a silly song, but for some reason, it just gets me right to <laughs> work out. So. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a short break. Gives you a chance to stretch or refresh that drink. Remember, a big stretch and a few good deep breaths, you know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Check out two friends of the show, 
a little bit of a commercial, and then we'll be right back. Hi, guys. I'm John. And I'm Frank. And we're the hosts of a general discussion comedy show out of Brooklyn, New York, called The Basement Surge. Where every Monday, we drop new episodes about all the different stuff we like, such as movies, video games, being a dad, basically anything that pops in our heads. The Basement Surge is available to listen to on every podcast platform there is. Including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Basement Surge. Check out our official website at www.thebasementsurge.com for more info. Of upcoming episodes and all the magic that we come up with. All right? And that's it. Anything else? Tune the in. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Derek Duvall Show in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of your application. Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks. And this is Scott Eisenberg. We're married. And we have a podcast called Shoot the Flick. Every week, Scott and I introduce each other to a new movie the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts. We want you guys to come along and enjoy the movies with us. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Come and listen to us now as Frankie and I Shoot, shoot the, the Flick. Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. Speaking of the Olympics, I heard this absolutely bizarre fact today. Did you know... That competitive art was an Olympic sport from 1912 to 1952. That's right, folks. They handed out medals for everything from painting, architecture, sculpting, so much more. (laughs) If that's not interesting, I don't know what is. If only they made darts an Olympic sport, but one can dream, right? Let's get back to our interview with Olympic skier Jalen Koff. So after the Olympics are over, what's it like to transition back after all that, I mean, I've always had it in the back of my head, like it must be like a knighthood or something like Olympian Jalenkov, kind of like, you know, they always say like Academy Award winner, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it forever being associated with your name and as an athlete? It, it's not a bad thing, I assume. Yeah, I think it took a little while to, you know, get used to that because for me, the Olympics were definitely a little bigger, bittersweet. It was obviously an amazing, incredible experience and, and that childhood dream coming true. But I also didn't end up with a medal like I had hoped for and had had dreamed of, you know. And so it was like everyone always asked her, like, oh, did you go to the Olympics? Oh, cool. Did you win? Ah. Um, and so it's like that is like, uh, no, but I still did well, I think. Well, I mean, you, you gave it a go, didn't you? Yeah. And yeah. I, I ended up seventh. I'm really like happy with my result and I think very few people get to say they got seventh at the Olympics like Mm -hmm. that's a pretty pretty big feat but yeah people sometimes seem so disappointed when they they get so excited asking if you're an Olympian and then they find out you didn't win and it's like oh well nice try (laughs) that being said though a bronze medal in the world championship you know I mean how did that feel that was 
pretty, pretty sweet. That was a, yeah, that was definitely a highlight of my career so far. So you get, I'm um, you know, trophies, medals and so forth. What do you do with them? Do you put them in frames? You just, are they just in a closet or something? Kind of all of the above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have my Olympic bid, bid framed in a few of my favorite like medals and whatnot hanging in my room, but a lot of them I just give to my mom to, to put on a shelf or do whatever she wants with them. <laughs> and then some, somewhere in the garage, I'm not sure what to do with them. <laughs> I asked, uh, there was another guest I had on early, uh, a, a while ago, he won an Emmy and I asked him, so, you know, what did you do with the Emmy? He said, it's in his bathroom. It's above his toilet. And I'm like, that is the most bizarre <laughs> answer. I've ever had for that one. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't have any in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so in your time as a competitive skier, what do you feel has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome? I think the hardest thing that I've had to, I guess, deal with or overcome is figuring out what I'm competing for or what mm-hmm. I'm skiing for. It's so easy to put so much pressure on those on those results and getting podiums and medals and all of that and that can I think take away from it a lot because uh, for me I've come to realize that you know I'm skiing and competing because I love it mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about it and I love you know that feeling of competing and getting in the circuit and pushing myself and it's yeah figuring out how to not get lost in kind of the results of it all mm-hmm. so tell us about deliver the love because I was interested by that one myself yeah, so I met this guy through the ski team um, a handful of years ago, and um, he was telling me that I had to kind of come up with a motto for myself. And we went through this whole series of exercises and and talking and and kind of settled on that idea that like I'm doing it out of love. And so that's that's where I want my head at when I'm in the Stargate is, you know, skiing for myself because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of came up with that phrase, deliver the love as just kind of a reminder, you know, why I'm doing it and what I'm out there to do. Is, do you have that like on, on, on like your uniform or something like that? Um, I have it written like on the back of my helmet. Mm-hmm. And then I have like a little daily alarm that goes off with it on there. Ah, nice. Yeah. So when you hear the phrase fastest woman on the Mogul's World Cup circuit, what does your brain say when you uh, hear that? <laughs> uh, that's fun. I don't know. I love that. <laughs> I feel like for me, the, the speed is like, you know, I, I can just push myself to maybe a little bit different of a level than some of the other girls. Um, and so I feel like that's what that is, is, you know, I've, I've pushed myself. That's awesome. This is a good question. I, I thought about this earlier. When you've won or you've placed well in a huge event, how do you keep yourself grounded? I think my my teammates keep me grounded. I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, we can't all be on top of the podium. We can't all win. But we've all put in the work and the energy. And I think like them all being there with me, taking part in that is what is what keeps me grounded. So what was it like to participate in Warren Miller's Timeless? I watched the trailer, looked absolutely <laughs> stunning. I don't even ski, but for two minutes and 20 seconds, all I want to do is drive to Colorado, which is like nine hours from my house. And uh, <laughs> yeah, what was that like? Um, it was so much fun. 
I mean, growing up, I watched my parents ski and Warren Miller films. Um, they were both featured in a few. And so that was like to my brother and I growing up, that was the coolest thing ever. And that was like, if you, if you ski in a Warren Miller film, like you've made it as a skier. Um, and so that was kind of just one of those like childhood dreams, like coming through, like, Oh, I'm actually going to ski in a Warren Miller film. And it was so much fun to do. I mean, I've never really done much filming before, um, but it was a really awesome, awesome crew. Um, awesome couple of skiers I was with, and it was just so much fun. Did they just contact you say, Hey, would you like to be in this? Or is it something you had to audition for or? Yeah. So it was organized by, um, by spider active, our apparel team apparel sponsor. Um, and so they put together a few spider athletes for the segment. So, mm-hmm. um, one question I have to ask is you got, you know, YouTube, you can find anything, almost anything. Do you ever go back and watch some of your old, uh, runs and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely do. So my question next is, it's kind of an interesting one is Simone Biles was applauded for her open conversation about mental health and competition in the most recent Olympic games. In your opinion, does the pressure to succeed on the world stage become a detriment to an athlete's mental or physical health? I think that it can. I mean, pressure is a pretty powerful thing. And I mean, with Simone, like if I can't imagine competing and being under the the pressure in the eyes that she has been. And it's pretty outstanding and everything that she's been able to do with that. But I mean, it, yeah, it can be tough. And I think that the, that mental side is such a huge part of sport and competing. I think at the highest level, um, at least in Mogulsing, that's what it comes down to is it's a mental game. Whoever has the most confidence and, and believes in their skiing the most for that day is who comes out on top. Mm. Cause we've all, we've all done that run so many times and know how to do it. It's just a matter of making it happen. Which brings me to my next question, which is what kind of things outside of skiing do you do to relax or unwind? Do you have any hobbies? Do you have like a favorite movie or something? Um, yeah, like on the road, um, when we're traveling, we play a lot of board games, read books. Um, I definitely do some art, some drawing. Hmm. Um, we, a lot of the girls on the team, we have like coloring books and whatnot we travel with. Just oh, nice. kind of little things like that to just you know yeah take our mind off skiing and and do something different so as a very accomplished female athlete what advice would you give to young girls out there seeing you compete and perhaps want to follow in your footsteps i would just say say have fun with it you know i really do think that that's the most important thing is that you're having fun and enjoying what you're doing so what does the future of jalen cough look like well, I'm I'm trying for the 22 Olympics in Beijing this year. Um, so I'll start competing a World Cup again in December and working towards that. Hopefully, go there, walk away with a with a medal. <laughs> my my goal in skiing is to be the best in the world, mm-hmm. and so you know, having that Olympic medal is is obviously up there, and and winning the overall for the World Cup. Or kind of what what my sights are set on. What is the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures on social media? 
Um, the best way would be on, on Instagram. My account is jcoff. I post updates about competing and, and all of our schedules and whatnot and everywhere I am. Nice. So I like to end my interviews with my absolute favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? Oh, that's a really good question. I would just say be kind, be compassionate, you know, especially in, in what we've gone through the last couple of years. You, you never know what someone else is is struggling with and going through and having a little compassion and kindness for someone goes a long way. Well, that being said, Jalen, thanks for taking the time to come on today. This has been an absolute treat for me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And we come to the conclusion of episode 29 and the 20s on The Derek Duvall Show. I want to thank the amazing Jalen Koff for taking the time out of her very busy schedule to come on the show and talk to us. I am sure that we'll be hearing her name for a long time to come, and I want to wish her every success in her career. We've had some absolutely stellar guests recording me in the last three weeks, and I mean stellar. A few actors, a few musicians, even a social media influencer, the list goes on. Look for all those releases in the coming weeks. Like I said before, I'm going to have to figure out a new release schedule because I'll be honest with you, we are going to provide you with not only good quality entertainment, but I got to get it to you in a pretty timely manner. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say be kind, be well, and by the love of God, please get the COVID-19 vaccine. Protecting yourself helps protect the most vulnerable among us. A quick jab twice, that's all it takes. I know Voltaire said common sense is not common, but I mean, come on, guys. Nosta, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.